Good morning, church. What a blessing to be here today. Amen. Our, uh, our Both of our assemblies here at the WFR main campus, along with our one at university, welcome in our live streamers uh, to the Word of God today. We were blessed here in this assembly with uh, Chad Johnson did a great communion talk. And, you know, Chad, I've grown a lot since those 27 years ago in the whiteboard. What I now realize is that you were one of my tithes, along with everybody else that was invested in the kingdom work. That's what we do, amen? We invest into the lives of others to expand the kingdom. So thank you, Chad and Debbie, and the work you do here. My new favorite term is perky have mercy. Uh, That's a good one for those of you that weren't here. Part of that live stream audience today is my best friend and soulmate, Lisa, along with Eddie and Joyce, two of our friends, and they're on the road. So, babe, just, I got to tell you, if you get all slain in the spirit during my sermon, pull over, okay? Because I don't want you hallelujah to cause an accident. So we get excited, don't we? Amen? Because we love the Word of God. Uh, speaking of WFRU, I have uh, a great announcement to make. Uh, Mom and Dad and uh, Scott Caldwell are going to be coming back over to WFR Campus Maine, which we're super excited to have them back. There's a, yeah, you can applaud that. They've been over there for about three years, and uh, a lot of kingdom work has taken place there, not just in that community and area, but also because people have come from all around the fruited plains to turn themselves into Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be doing that right here in the Fellowship Center, I mean, oh, sorry, in the Outreach Center, starting September 4th, where you're going to have the Unashamed Gospel Bible Study, uh, which is going to be led by Dad and Scott. And it's mainly aimed at those that are coming here, our guests, our visitors, our people wanting to check it out, and our people that want to hear the good news. Dad's been, he's kind of a one-hit wonder these last few years, but man, is it a great song. The gospel of Jesus, right? That blesses people's lives. So we want to welcome them back next week. We're not going to be offering services anymore at the university campus on Sunday morning. Those folks will blend back in here with us. We're doing some renovations on the campus over there. We're super excited about because as Simon said, Simon said, as Simon said, we want to reach the campus, and so our renovations are going to be aimed at the campus. And it's not just going to be ULM, it's going to be Tech, it's going to be Grambling. God has a great vision, and Simon and Bridget have been sent here to help us carry that vision. We want to bring the light of the gospel of Jesus onto the three college campuses that are within an hour of where we're sitting today. What a blessing. So be sure and pick up those prayer cards and be praying for that vision. Uh, beginning in Second Corinthians 10... Here at the end of this book, and Larry will close us out next week. I'm excited about that in the in the Corinthian letters in 2 Corinthians 13. I've also got a great uh, Kingdom Life series coming up the week after that. It's going to start with our old friend Tommy Inman kicking us off on Back to School Sunday. It's going to carry us through One Kingdom Sunday. So it's got some really great messages and voices to speak into to ministry, and that's really what this book has been about. It's been about ministry. But, you know, ministry is not easy. And so when we get to chapter 10 and following, which we're in today, I've been trying to think of a word or a phrase for the last few weeks as we've been here. Because it's been hard for me studying this passage to see what Paul is going through with his church. And, And the phrase I came up with is the grind. 
Have you ever had a time, maybe it was school, maybe it was work, maybe it was building a house, something where you, you knew there was a blessing, you knew there was something great, but, I mean, to get there, you just had to do what? You just had to grind, right? You just had to hang in there. And that's how I feel that Paul is, is expressing himself in this text. And today in chapter 12, I feel like it culminates into his heart for this church. And I can relate to that, you know, spending a lifetime in ministry. It's a grind. It's a great grind. You love people, but it's a grind. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of reverse engineer chapter 12. And we're going to read the end first and then go back to what he says at the beginning. Because I think it highlights exactly what Paul is going through. So if you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look down and we're going to start in verse 11. I have made a fool of myself. He said that a bunch. But you drove me to it. (laughs) I like that. I told you I love sarcasm, right? I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles, even though I am nothing. I persevered. There's that grind. I persevered. In demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, because that's been in doubt the whole time, including signs, wonders, and miracles. In other words, he said, I've given you everything that God has given me. How were you inferior to the other churches? In other words, I did everything for them and for you. And yet somehow you still see me as lacking. Except one thing, he says, except that I was never a burden to you. (laughs) I like that. The only thing that I was a burden on those other churches, but to you I hadn't even been a burden. Then I love this, and this is just dripping with sarcasm. Forgive me this wrong. It reminds me of like, you know, a couple gets into an argument, and and the guy's like, what can I do? He said, well, excuse me for breathing. (laughs) So he says, just forgive me this wrong. That I haven't been a burden to you. Now I'm ready to visit you for the third time. And I will not be a burden to you. That's two. Because what I want is not your possessions, but you. I'm not after your money. I want you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I find that fascinating. Paul's a single guy, but he got that, didn't he? Those of you parents, you know how that works, right? You spend your lives trying to make sure your kids and your grandkids' lives are better, not worse. That's the way Paul felt about them. So I will very gladly spend for you everything, everything I have, and expend myself as well. In other words, he said, I'm leaving nothing in the tank. If I love you more, will you love me less? And I think the implied answer is, yep. That's why it's a grind. Be that as it may, he says, I have not been a burden to you. Is anybody counting how many times is that? Three times. Yet crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Dripping. I love it. He's my hero. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you. I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? 
Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Man, that one verse to me just pours out the grind. Paul is doing everything possible to strengthen other people. And folks, that's not easy. Verse 20, for I am afraid, there's number one, that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. In other words, trouble's coming. I fear, there's two, that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. <laughs> I love what Paul, most of us would just say, you know, I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of sinning going on. He gives you a list of what that sin looks like. Number three, I am afraid. It's the third time he said that. You see, he may not have been a burden to them, but he is carrying a burden. And three times he says he was afraid. That when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. What was his greatest fear? There's a lot of unrepentant sin, and he was going to have to deal with it. It's a grind. Three times he said he wasn't a burden. Three times he said, though, he was afraid. I get it. I understand it. You see, there's a constant tension with us. We are the body of Christ, even all these thousands of years later from this text. And yet the evil one is still here and still working. And even though our hearts are anchored in heaven because we know that's where Jesus is, we know. We know we win. But we're still living here. And there's still the flesh. And there's still the evil one. And there's tension because of that. And then you put a group of people together. And while you have the combined work of the Holy Spirit, which is awesome like this morning, we're singing praises and together, you also have the combined flesh of weak people. And there's the tension. And this will go on until the Lord comes back. Which is why I wanted to start with the grind. And you say, well, man, that's depressing. Well, I'm not finished. I'm going back to the start now. Because there are two other things present in this text. I call them the rose and the thorn. We'll start with the rose in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Paul says... I must go on boasting. Remember the last week Mike talked about it and man, did Paul have a boast? I mean, he went through a lot of stuff. I, there's things that, you know, I've gone through for the kingdom, but when I look at his list, that's a boast, right? Every time I read this text, I think back to Acts chapter 9, verse 16. When Jesus was speaking to Ananias about Paul, he said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Man, what a burden. I must go on boasting, Paul says, although there's nothing to be gained, but I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Okay, so we've talked about all this other stuff. Now, I'm fixing to tell you something that I bet nobody has experienced. 
verse 2. I know a man in Christ, I know a man, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether it was in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Reading Paul's writings is like me having a conversation with mom and dad. Everything has to be repeated, right? (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. It's true. I got to make fun of them before they get back because then I stop. Verse four, he was caught. This man was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Wow. That so makes me want to know what was being said. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself. For those of you that hadn't been keeping up, Paul is the guy. He's talking about. He's doing a little third person, you know, talking about himself. Jimmy went up in the third heaven, right? I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Now, this is a rosy thing that Paul's going to tell us about this paradise, but now this is what I call a thorn alert. This is an alert. Poison was right. Every rose as its thorn. And so here we see the beginning of that. Verse 6, even if I choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. In other words, I really saw it. I really heard it. But I refrain. Thorn alert too. So no one will think more of me that is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surprisingly great revelations. And there again is the tension. Now, when did this happen to Paul? We don't really know. It could have been when he was blinded. Remember he had the three days of contemplation when he was waiting before he had the conversation with Ananias in Acts chapter 9? Could have been then. It could have been when he was doing what I call his desert training down in Arabia. We read about that in Galatians 1. Three years he was out in the desert having a little one-on-one time with the Almighty. Maybe it was there. Or maybe it was the time, which I tend to think maybe it is, in Acts chapter 14, when he was in Lystra. And it was a, it was a moment where he and Barnabas were there, and they went from gods, because people were bowing down to them because of the miracles, to goats in about two hours. And the Jews came and they stoned Paul with rocks, and they dragged his body out of the city. The Bible says, thinking he was dead. And then the disciples came and gathered around him, and he got up. Now, whether that was a near-death experience or a death experience, maybe that was the time when he took a little trip to the third heaven. And where is the third heaven, by the way? Well, most people think we got a sky that we look up and see, right? We'll call it the heavens. Then we've got beyond that, which you have to have a spaceship to get to, but that's the universe and space as we know it. That's, you know, the heavens. And then we got this other place. Where is it? I don't know. But it's beyond the first two. But I know one thing. When my Lord and Savior left here in his glorified body, he was heading that way. And he did it without a rocket ship, without a booster pack. He just took off. So wherever this place is, it's outside of time and space as we know it. Wow. 
wouldn't mind taking a trip there, would you? What did he hear? Well, by the way, the word paradise in Greek, the paradosis, the idea was like the Persian gardens with beautiful flowers. There's your rose. The Hebrew word is pardesim, which is the orchards and the gardens of Solomon that we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Beauty. Beauty beyond anything we can imagine. Paradise. What did he hear? Inexpressible, unspeakable things. The only time the Greek word is used here is in this passage. Inexpressible. What does that mean? That means Paul couldn't translate what he heard. It's not that he wouldn't tell us. It's that he couldn't tell us. Whatever he heard, he said, you won't get it. And we spend a lot of time talking about heaven, right? We imagine this, we imagine that. Here's the thing. We won't get it until we get there. And it's not bad to imagine. I imagine a lot of stuff. It's unspeakable. It's beyond our comprehension in the flesh. Wow. Wow. And Paul took a trip there. Whether in the body or out of the body, he doesn't know. Was it his mind or did he actually transport there? He's not sure. Why would Paul need a thorn, though? Because he was given great gifts, great abilities, great power, and yet he was a weak man. Enter the thorn. You remember Romans 12, 1 through 3, when Paul talks about this sacrifice life that we come into Christ with, that we commune with the Almighty God, that we're no longer conformed to the world. We have a renewed mind that can actually contemplate the will of the Almighty God who created all things. That's what we have. Does that sound like paradise and roses and good things? Absolutely. But then he says in verse 3, and I think he was speaking of himself and us, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Great revelations. Great gifts. Great mind that's being renewed day by day. But don't think you did it. You see, the grace of Jesus is the gloves that can handle the thorns. It allows us in our weakness, in our flesh, to still look to him and say, it's okay. We know heaven. We know we're going to get there. But while we're still on this earth, we realize we cannot do it ourselves. That's the entire point of both the rose and the thorn. Let's talk about the thorn. Look at verse 7. Let's pick back up there. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Man, Bible scholars, what is it? What is it? Was it his eyesight? Was it some spiritual problem? Does it really matter what Paul's thorn was? It's much more important what my thorn is. The thing that has been given me to remind me of the grace of Christ. He said that this thorn was a messenger of Satan. So there it goes. Satan's involved. You see, that's the whole point of this. He's here. We're here. We sin. And there's the tension. So even in the thorn, Satan is involved. And what does it do, Paul? 
it torments me. I mean, do any of us enjoy seeing people in torment? It's the worst thing ever, right? You see somebody that just lost somebody or they've just found out some terrible news and just that torment is so brutal, right? We don't, some, we don't even know what to say in moments like that. And Paul said, that's what I have. I love it. He's just so honest. So I pleaded three times. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now remember, this is a man who has the ability to do wonders, signs, and miracles and heal other people. He even raised a guy from the dead that he put to sleep by preaching too long. I mean, so he, he had some, he had some skills. But whatever this was, he couldn't deal with it. So we asked the Lord three times to take it away. What did Jesus say? Verse nine. My grace, there's the gloves, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. That's a big one. That's bumper sticker, t-shirt material. My power is made perfect in weakness. I and mean, if you think about just, I mean, it's really a simple concept, right? Because he's all powerful when we have to rely on him. And when we know it's his grace that carries us, that's why it's perfect in weakness. I don't know about you, but I don't like calling myself weak. And yet I am. Therefore, Paul says in response to that, I will boast all the more gladly. You know what that word, the Greek word there is hedus. You know what that word means more gladly? Sweet. A little sweet. I love that. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Got some difficulties coming? Yep. How you feel about that, Paul? Sweet. That's what the word means. Verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Do I feel weak? Sweet. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, all the things we don't like to deal with. And Paul says, you know what I think about? Sweet. How sweet it is to be loved by Jesus. James Taylor plus Al, adding the most important part. Three times he asked for Christ to take this away. Man, that transported me. That three times to ask for the burden to be removed. Three times later in the same chapter, he says, I wasn't a burden. Three times he says, but I'm afraid. And it took me back to Jesus in the desert. Three times. Satan tempted him. And of all things, he did it with scripture. And then I think about Jesus in the garden Asking the Father, you want to guess how many times? Three times. Can this cup be taken from me? Why? Because he knew the thorn he was about to endure. I think about that same night, Peter falling asleep. How many times? Three times. He was asked to help Christ bear the burden in the moment. And he fell short. Why? Too much. 
Later that evening, Peter would deny him how many times? Three times. I don't even know the man. And then three times when he saw a resurrected Jesus, Jesus says, how many times do you love me? Guess how many times? Three times. You see, thorns and burdens are hard and they're difficult. And you know what? They're really meant to be. Because that's when we understand the power of Christ and weakness the most. Phillips, Craig, and Dean had a song called Blessing in the Thorn back in the 90s. And they asked four questions in this song. And they're four really good questions to ask yourself today, especially when you're feeling the thorn. When does the thorn become a blessing? When does the pain become a friend? When does the weakness make me stronger? When does my faith make me whole again? That's the moments when your faith in Jesus are tested at their highest quality during the thorn. By the way, you know what the answer to all those questions are, as well as all those threes I mentioned earlier? Jesus said it in the garden. You remember what he said? Five of the greatest words ever uttered on planet Earth. May your will be done. You see, when the will of Al is finally submitted to the will of Christ, then we can understand how great grace really is. His will. The most important. Yeah, but Al, you just don't know what I've been going through. I know, it's a lot. Everybody has a different thorn. Everybody has a different cross to bear. Everybody has a different path. But we're all understanding that in God's will, we will be in heaven. Which is what it's all about. Can you imagine us getting to the third heaven? So in Solomon, Song of Solomon, there's a, uh, it's called the Rose of Sharon. And I just couldn't help but think about the beauty of this. Song of Solomon, by the way, is a very sensual book. You don't hear a lot of Bible class. Hey, we start on Sunday, the Song of Solomon study, right? I've never taught it. I think we'll let Emman teach it. I think he would, he would do have a great job teaching the Song of Solomon. But it's kind of a back and forth, right, with Solomon and uh, one of his wives. And in verse 1, it's, she says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Remember that old song, Lily of the Valley? He responds by saying, like a lily among thorns is my darling among young women. A beautiful picture. In this case, a beautiful woman. But the idea of a rose. But you know the problem with Solomon? He was a man of great wisdom. Read Proverbs, right? He was a man of great wealth, which we understand that. He was a man who knew women, a thousand wives, right? And then you read the book of Ecclesiastes, and we realize that Solomon, with all the great things he had, all the beauty around him, the beautiful gardens, the beautiful women, and all that money, it was all meaningless without God. And you see, that's the choice we face today. There's the rose, there's the, there's the prize, there's the thing that all the world says will make you better. Man, if I could just win that billion dollar lottery, so I could give 800 million to the state of Illinois. It's never enough. It's a rose. That's why you have to have a thorn. In John chapter 19, 
Verse 1, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. If you don't want to know what that looks like, go watch The Passion of the Christ and see what the cat of nine tails does to a human body. It's ugly. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head, the head of God. They clothed him in a purple robe and they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face again and again. And the Bible tells us they did it so much that he was not recognizable as the man that he was. Ugly. Verse 5, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe, Pilate said, here's the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they said, crucify, crucify, crucify. Ugly. That's because all that was done for my sin and your sin and the sin of everybody that's ever lived or ever will live on this planet. You see, that's the blessing of the thorn in the rose. Jesus died for us. And because of that, we can look to the Father and say, it's ugly, but you make it beautiful. And it happened because of the sacrifice of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today you have a choice. You can accept that grace that forgiveness, that love, that beauty, and even its ugliness, because that's how ugly my sin is. You can look to him and say, I believe in you. I want to bend my will to you. I want to bend my knee to you. I want to confess you as my Lord. You can do that today, wherever you are, watching wherever. I got, Mike sent me a text this morning. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he listens to the podcast. And this morning, he's going to be immersed into Christ because he has bent the knee to Jesus wherever he's from. Praise God for great decisions. Amen? That's right. That deserves it. And you can too. If you're here and you're ready to do that, we got some water back here. We got Johnson waiting on the front row. You can start that life where the beauty and the thorns show the power of the grace of Jesus. Or maybe you just need a little help with your thorns. I remember Dad used to squirrel hunt barefooted when he was a young man. That produced a lot of thorns in his feet. And so every after every squirrel hunt, Mom would take a light in there and a, a needle, and she would pick the thorns out of the bottom of his feet. It wasn't pretty. But it was helpful. That's what we're here for. We're here to help with the thorns. Sometimes it's rough. And you need someone to walk alongside you. That's what our church is about. So if we can help you today to find Jesus to help with those thorns or just to strengthen your faith, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?